on tonight's Hillbilly Nerd Talk, Soup Beans and Cornbread, How to Live Longer, Divorce for the Kids, Phil Mickelson, and Twitter X. Welcome to Hillbilly Nerd Talk. I'm Hank. And I'm Petra. Petra, we had a gourmet hillbilly feast tonight for dinner. We sure did. Hank cooked soup beans and cornbread. An Appalachian absolute delicacy. It is. And there's a reason because it's delicious. I really don't think people around the country eat that. I really do think that's an Appalachian thing, right? I don't know if they, maybe they call them pinto beans. I think people eat beans, but people eat beans differently by location. Hmm. Maybe down south, maybe. But oh, I, yeah. But I don't know. I don't think the straight up how we make our soup beans, they do that. Yeah, it's not a soupy down south. Cornbread, everybody makes cornbread. Yes. I get that. Yeah. But it's the soup beans part. Yeah. God dang, they're good. Yeah. You did good. They was, They're delicious. It was delicious. Soupies and cornbread are just the absolute best. Love it. So you're relying on me for articles, you say? Yeah, I'm pretty much worthless right now because between my back and I pulled two crowns off, I'm just a mess. Well, you can get rid of your teeth and be even more hillbilly. <laughs> I know. I'm missing teeth. I'm carrying them around in a little <laughs> plastic Tupperware container. <laughs> Your teeth, I swear. We've got to get you fangs or something. A well, these are fake. They're, they are porcelain crowns for two of my back teeth. And I was trying to lay down in my reverse shrimp position to work on my back. And I was munching on a gummy bear at the same time. And it went kind of sideways. And I Ugh. felt them both just pull off Ugh. right then. I was like, oh. But, it, you know, I didn't break them. They're fine. I just have to go back in and get them glued back on. So, wah! I have nubs. Little nubs. They're well, gross. that's why the soup beans and cornbread came in handy. Exactly, because it was soft. You just kind of gum them. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's popular in our area. <laughs> right. So, if you can pass any of these eight tests. Scientists say you're likely to live significantly longer and feel happier and have less stress. Ooh, tell us, tell us, tell us. Come on, that's the trifecta, right? Yeah, we want that. This is in Apple News, by the way, by Jeff Hayden. Thanks, Jeff. Number one, you want, well, you've already read these, haven't you? I, was gonna say you want to try I think I scanned, but I... Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. One is exercise. Yes. Of course, you're going to live longer if you exercise, right? Yes. It's a no-brainer, yes. but yes. like these habit books I'm reading, you know, just because people know something doesn't mean they can make themselves do it. It's hard for me to make myself eat a salad, even though I freaking know it's great. I know. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm working on these things. <laughs> there's a great book up here about habits that are that will absolutely help you. Uh, it'll help anybody. Uh-huh. I forget the name of it. The Power of Habit. I'm reading it right now. The Power of Habit. Okay. It's great. Helps you identify things to help you figure out. Because we are human beings and a lot of our lives have to be on autopilot. We can't Mm -hmm. consciously think of everything every single second of the day or it would just eat up all of our brain power. So usually there's cues Mm -hmm. and that's what gets you. Like it can be even like I've noticed with my chocolate, it's like a time of day. 
like mm-hmm. two or three o'clock. I get that, and it's like that's the cue. It's like the time. Yeah. And if you can identify that, like, oh, okay, it's the time. That's what's getting me. And then maybe substitute something or plan something to to substitute a new habit or something. Yes. Maybe at three o'clock, take a walk around the block instead of getting a thing of chocolate. Like substituting. Yeah. But anyway, that book on habits has been has been awesome about recognizing that stuff. All right, I'm gonna have to. I am gonna have to dig into that. I am working on reestablishing my executive function. <laughs> so yeah. So these are yeah. Eight tests. If you do any of these, any of these eight things, live a uh-huh. lot longer. Okay. And the little exercise thing says it doesn't matter whether it's light, moderate, vigorous, just something. Yes. Forty-six percent decrease in risk of death from any cause. Wow. Come on, that's half. That's half. That's for doing any sort of exercise. Do something. Yeah. Get out there and do something. Are you addicted to opioids? Oh my God, that's such a huge thing that it has a category all to its own. If only because it reduces risk of early death by 38%. Oh my God. So in other words, people that use opioids are literally 38% more likely to die. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, especially now. It seems like it's playing Russian roulette with fentanyl and all that kind of shit. So, oh, yeah. I just, I'm sad that has to have a category by itself. And it's number two. I'm assuming these are like kind of in some sort of order. Yeah. Because exercise is obviously number one. You think it'd be number one. Number three, you don't use tobacco. Don't use tobacco. Yeah. I mean, that used to be a bigger category. It did. Yeah, it has. I think tobacco use has been. I, sadly, instead of using tobacco, we're using opioids. Keep in mind, the researchers only studied people who had never used tobacco. In their case, the risk of dying early dropped by 29%. Wow. Almost a third. Almost a third. It's a big one. I understand it. Yep. All right. Number four, you manage stress. We do the best we can. We do what we can. <laughs> we don't have as much stress as... I, right, some people yeah. are under enormous amounts of stress. Yeah. Got all of our friends and their kids. Jesus Christ. Yes. How do these people live? <laughs> it seems like we do have lots of friends who have kid stress, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like enormous amounts of kid stress. Yeah. And it... Like, we feel for them. We look at each other and say, you know, our kids won't do math because we have cats. Um, right. It's, yeah, it is really, yeah, stress would eat you alive. I, like yeah, that. I, don't, yeah, I don't see how they, uh, yeah. these people, when I'm, I'm, I'm not really rubbing it in their face, but I kind of end up that way sometimes, I think, accidentally. Like, but it'll just be in a casual conversation. Like, what'd you do this afternoon? Or what was going on? Like, well, I took a nap about three o'clock. And, uh, <laughs> like to them, that must just be so foreign. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, I work other times. Like, yeah. I may answer a phone call tonight about commercial property or real estate or something. So it's mm-hmm. not like, but still feel a little guilty telling people I took a nap. I take one just about every day. <laughs> 
Yes, but we also have stood on top of a building in the middle of an ice storm in ski gear because we were trying to unstop a drain line. Well, that's and, true. You know, it, it's different. It's a different type of stress, and and you're never quite completely off of work. Right. And it takes a while for your body to adapt to it. It took several yeah. years, no, I you're think, right. to adapt. No, no, you're, you're right about that. There, it's certainly, and mentally. Yeah. And, and my other job where I own a different business, I definitely put in 50, 60 hours a week, every week, forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I put in my dues, damn it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I, so I'm defending my nap. I can't imagine putting myself back into the situation I was in before I got out. You know, it's like one of those, once you get out of the frying pan and not in the fire, you don't want to go back. It's hard to imagine that I had a job once where, I, you know, you went to work at 8 in the morning, you left uh, at 4.30 and never thought another thing about it till the next morning. That's hard to believe. I never had a job that I could do that. Like, I, mine always followed me. I guess as I say that, I never really, like, yeah, I thought about it when I was off work, too. Certain yeah. patients or whatever. But it wasn't, like, it wasn't the same. I don't know. Hard to hard to describe. Anyway, nothing wrong with that. There's a lot less, you know, once you get off work, you're like, all right, I'm done till tomorrow, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you might think about a certain situation or something, but... I didn't take any work home, I tell you that. Oh, I've taken enormous amounts of work home. I've, you know. Back in those days. It caused, it caused a, really a breach in our relationship because I couldn't leave it at work. It was, I was always on. So. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, it can be bad. It, yeah, stress is a hard one to shut off. Managing stress is on this list. And it makes sense. Yes. It says, uh. Says reduce reduces the risk of early death by twenty two percent. I believe it. If you have less stress, I believe it too. Number five, you eat a plant based diet. Ugh, that's a tough one, right? I'm not doing that. <laughs> that's hard, right? I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm going. I'm. I don't eat an excessive amount of meat. I haven't eaten it. Oh, I'm sorry. There were a few bits of ham in the beans today, but that's the only meat I've eaten today. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm not a carnivore, but I do like to buy like meat from like real farms where cows live in grass. Oh yeah. Like from farmer's markets and things like that, if at all possible. But well, in general, I'm skimming this article as we go along, but uh -huh. yeah, we all need to eat more vegetables, of course. Yes. We can all stand to eat a big serving of spinach or kale or something every day. We all know that. Very hard to do, but yeah. Eh, you do all your powders and stuff. You do a magic potion I, uh, of that shit. I don't. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, that is, I know I've probably said it on this show before, but that is a hell of a life hack. And I'm surprised somebody is not created some business they probably have somewhere far away from eastern Kentucky <laughs> uh -huh. where people might actually consider eating healthy once in a million years. Something where you put these powders into a drink. That protein shake that I made, that I make, uh -huh. I, I can never get you to try, but it is freaking delicious. <laughs> it's not that, it's not. 
when I say not bad, it actually honestly tastes good. And I've got, like you said, I've got a scoop of blackberry powder, beetroot powder, mm-hmm. um, strawberries, blueberries, and a scoop of protein powder. And it's freaking delicious. Mm-hmm. But what makes it one thing, I will say I put some Splenda in it. Yeah. But if that makes it awful or if that gives me cancer, then I'll just have to because that's what sweetens it up. Yeah. Anyway, I'm surprised there's not some health food, something where you can get a scoop. Because now I'm figuring out that these powders, there's a powder for everything. I think you can get like a powder that has them all mixed up in in it too. Absolutely. Mixtures of stuff. But but I think what it is is people typically do that at home i think there are some smoothie bars in places like um planet fitness and things like that yeah i know they have smoothie bars and i haven't seen them so maybe i'm way behind times and they have everything i'm saying but i thought it was more like juices and stuff like Mm -hmm. orange juice and i don't know I, i didn't i don't think i don't know of one to have like powders I, mean, I don't get, know. I mean, you get a scoop of, oh, and blueberry powder. Yeah. You can get blueberry. I mean, come on. That's absolutely a superfood. If you could get yeah. a scoop of blueberry powder a day, goodness sakes, what kind of antioxidants? Well, all right. When I start, like, you keep after me to, to eat that. But, like, all, all that does pack weight on me. So, like, that's the fastest way for me to gain weight is with a protein shake with a bunch of stuff in it. Like, I need to almost eat solid. Well, however, whatever yeah. you got to do. Everybody's yeah. different. But, well, and I have to watch that, too, because if you drink a big protein shake and then eat a big meal on top of it, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've just done yourself a disservice. So the, I just have to be careful because I'm menopausal. For me, the shake is the meal. Yeah. That's it. You can't think of it as, oh, that's my dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat this gigantic lunch and then I get a shake for dessert. Yeah. It's going to be kind of like a milkshake. Yeah. No, it ain't going to work. Yeah. Anyway, eat more plant-based Eat food. more plant-based. Okay, we're trying. Number six, avoid binge drinking. That is not a problem for us. I think I got that one down. More than, uh, they define that as more than four alcoholic drinks a day. I'm not so sure that's binge drinking. That's just being a fucking alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, whatever, though. I don't know. Is it like a day every day, or is it... This is very know. short. I'll read what it says. While you... While your perceived mileage may vary, researchers researchers defined, define binge drinking as having more than four alcoholic beverages in a day. That's what it says. I don't know. Okay. I thought of it more as college where you're just slamming them down, trying to get drunk, being yeah. stupid. That's my Yeah, opinion. that's like that, four alcoholic beverages in an hour? Like if you drink, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. If you drink four alcoholic beverages a day, you're just a damn alcoholic. Yeah. You're not a binge drinker. Yeah. Anyway, so let's just say drinking in general. <laughs> if you can avoid that, you know, being it, an alcoholic. It's funny. We gotta like you have a beer, maybe maybe three or four times a week. Yeah. Like one beer. Yeah. And I might have an alcoholic beverage of some sort out once a month. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, we've talked about this on the show too. The problem with some of that is when we were young, me, I'm speaking at least myself, like marijuana was the same thing. They taught that that was just as dangerous, addictive, could kill you, just like like heroin, yep, or anything like that. And to me, it was 
smoking marijuana was like doing heroin. It was. Only the really bad people did that. But everybody drank. Right. So so he pushed you to drinking. Like that was socially acceptable everywhere, basically. Yes. But not. So in a perfect world, it would have been great back in the day if I had done more smoking pot and less drinking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But I'm kind of like, I wonder how you would have turned out because you have mellowed out since you started smoking. Probably. Like, would you have been mellower earlier? I don't know. I don't know if that's a function of age, reading some self-help books in general. No. I don't know either. <laughs> that's, that's good. I'm glad you've noticed I'm a little more mellow. Again, I don't know if it's from smoking pot now on a semi-regular basis or if it's just like i just said uh age or or reprogramming the brain a little bit maybe it's a little bit all of it why does that be one thing yeah well i mean we've had this discussion i mean i had like major therapy trauma therapy which did change my personality in some ways and Mm -hmm. i i I feel like it's positive. I feel like I'm not on edge and reactive anymore. Um, and, and I'm way more like a duck. Everything just rolls off of me now. Well, I think some of that transfers to me, too, because we're in this together. Yeah. So we're going to play off each other. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good thing. This oh, is absolutely. a good thing. You know, I don't want to be the... Oh, 100%. Raging, crazy, menopausal woman ready to pull a gun and shoot somebody. Well, that's no, a, that's a stereotype I don't well, want to sure. fulfill. And, and there's all there's times to be aggressive and different things, and there's times not. Yeah, and uh, you know we we can all do better. We can all do better. If anybody says you can't, then you're saying you're perfect right now. Like, come <laughs> on, there's nobody perfect. We can all benefit from a little. A little self-improvement. Yeah. A little self-reflection and a little self-improvement. Yeah. And I think a lot of young people nowadays are not really being taught or shown that. Like they get very defensive of their personhood or something. Like... I, I don't know. You know I, yeah, well, they. For that, I am who I am, and I don't have to work on it. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I had a strong dose of that at that age too. At some point, you can't do everything. Like you're trying to go to school, you're trying to figure out life in general. I'm speaking, yeah, to myself as a 20 year old. Uh-huh. Sometimes you know you got a career going on, you start your new job. Sometimes there isn't time for all that. <laughs> I mean, there kind of is. I guess you can always make time. But, of course, at that age, I think it's a tendency to be you're bulletproof. If somebody has a problem, it's always them, not you. Things like that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So, you know, there's there's some of that. But we're doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I was going to say the binge drinking thing. I mean, like in college, I, I got a, a, um, not a DUI, but a public intoxication. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I was in a fraternity. We drank too much on the weekends. That's why I'm saying binge drinking. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. drink a drop during the week, but during Friday, but Friday, it was go get as much beer and alcohol as you could and get, yeah. get blasted as you could on sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but at least Friday and Saturday. Yeah. It's like, that was so ridiculous. Waking up with a hangover from hell. Like, it would have just been Aww. so much better yeah. just to, to what we do now. 
Yeah. Smoke some, have maybe three or four drinks over an evening. That would have been a million times better. <laughs> yeah. On our bodies, everything. Yeah, it would. It would. I Now, uh, anyway, so yeah. avoid avoid drinking. Let's just say that. Avoid drinking. Especially alcoholism. <laughs> yeah. Get a good night's sleep. Heck yes. That's the best, right? Yes, that is. It says, according to the study, people who sleep between seven and nine hours of sleep with no long periods of wakefulness. So, in other words, general. Reduce your rate of death from any cause by 18%. I believe it. <laughs> it helps, right? There's just some things that happen during sleep that happens no other time. Right? Being sleep deprived, and trust me, I've had issues with this over mm-hmm. the last few years. You know I have. It's miserable. Like all day long, it feels like you have cotton floss in your brain. Like everything just takes longer, is slower to process. It sucks. It sucks to be that tired. Well, you know, there's a reason that when you are sick, like you have flu or COVID or whatever the hell you Mm -hmm. got, that these things, a lot of times when your body's immune system's really revved up, it it happens to release the same chemicals that also make you sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like that's your body's way. For some reason, sleep lets your body do its business. And heal. And heal. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of your immune system's like, listen, shut down, jackass. We're going to flip the switch. You're going to lay down a little while and you're just going to let us do our business. Just shut the hell up. <laughs> let us go in there with our NK white blood cells and annihilate these people. And then you're going to wake up better, but you're going to go to sleep now. Boom. <laughs> and you sleep like a baby. It's the best sleep ever when you're sick. I know. There have been times <laughs> I've been like, I want to go expose myself to something just so I can sleep. Uh, let me tell you, COVID was, was bad overall. I get it. 1% of people died, blah, blah, blah. But if I may joke a little bit. Go it, for it. It was the best damn night's sleep I ever had in my life when I had COVID <laughs> both times. <laughs> I mean, I really wasn't that sick, but I was wound down and just tired. Yeah. Fatigue. And as soon as my head hit the pillow, like at nine o'clock, dead <laughs> until eight in the morning the next morning. And it was glorious. I remember that's. Uh, <sighs> I hate you for it because I think I was still having insomnia issues. Well, (laughs) except, well, there was the time when we weren't sure if it was COVID. It was like pre-COVID and we called it the sleeping sickness because we slept for a month. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Called it the East Kentucky sleeping sickness. I don't know what was going on, but. That was great. That was, that's the sick sleep I think of where I was like, yes. Well, so a good night's sleep helps a lot. 18%. And how about this one? You have positive social relationships. Oh, oh, that's good. Reduces your risk of dying by five percent. Hey, every percent counts. Yes, yes. Right. I think that's awesome. Well, there's another one. Oh, that, that's there's several on here. Uh huh. Clinical review of 150 studies. There we go. Do a uh-huh. composite story. People with strong social ties had a 50% better chance of survival, regardless of age, sex, health, status, and cause of death than those with weaker ties. Boom. There you go. 
I can understand that. You have a reason to live. You need some friends to help you out and yeah. whatever. And you just, so, you know. So. And I mean, and especially like all of most of my adult life, I was a single woman and we take care of each other. Like, I mean, it's crazy how much even even if you were married and stuff like my group of friends has has always been just marvelous and people that you could call in the middle of the night to go get you Pepto-Bismol and ginger ale if you needed it. <laughs> well, there's, Good a, folks. you know, there's probably a million reasons for that. You know, those, yeah. th- there's, I mean, a thousand little things to that of having a social network. Yeah. Even to the point of like, if you were an older person and lived by yourself and didn't have anybody else, if somebody would literally come around and help feed you. Yeah. Or whatever you might need. I mean, you know, I've seen some home health people that were absolutely, you know, kind of pitiful. And and absolutely, and absolutely without help could not have made it. Yeah. Like they had had to have been taken to a nursing home or something. Yeah. uh, So it it can be extremely important. Yeah. 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 Uh, What's the other one I was going to, because we've talked about this before, comes up. Ooh. Maybe. I'm Maybe. watching you scroll. I love the one where the guy blows the smoke and um, uh, smacks no, right? <laughs> <laughs> Some of these practical jokes on there are really uh, They are pretty funny. This is just a general article. Why some parents wait till their kids graduate high school to get a divorce. Yahoo Life. <sighs> Jen Morrison. We don't have to. Re- it's not a very long article, and there's not really. It's just no. More, it's just I more saw that for, one, and you know it. There's no right or wrong. Yeah, but in general, I don't know. In general, I don't feel like you're doing your kids a giant favor. I have to realize I'm coming from a place of extreme abuse. Like my childhood was an outlier, and my parents stayed together. We took bets. On when they would get a divorce. When I graduated, when middle brother graduated, or when baby brother graduated. They stayed together until dad died. But having kids in the house was hell on earth. That was what, that was the fuel for the fire that they fought about. And they fought in front of us every day. Well, that's every obvious. single day. Well, well, I think that's obviously a no-brainer. Yeah, those people in that situation should get divorced. It was awful. But it then, all about the people who, you know, for whatever reason, them and their partner have grown apart. But they don't argue that much, or they can separate. Like we're never going to argue in front of the kids. We're going to stay together till they're eighteen. Then we're getting a divorce. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's good, bad. I don't know. I, I don't either. I, Everything's situational. I know that. I feel like the kids are going to pick up on the undercurrent. They're going to know that this isn't a healthy marriage, you know, healthy I relationship. Kinda, you know, I kind of feel like that, too. I kind of feel like, yeah, I kind of feel like that, too. But on the other hand, as a woman, and I have thought about this before, if I had a child and then got divorced and was not with that child's biological father. Yeah. I would not fuck another man until that child was 18 and 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 could as an adult you know hold their own. Like I would yeah. not bring a boyfriend home. I would not do it. It's just 
too big a risk to your underage children. And well, it would certainly, um, I mean, I can see that. Obviously. I wouldn't do it. Under no circumstances? Even if you Maybe. Dated them like crazy, if, dated them for a year? No, no. I might, like, date someone out of town, like a long-distance relationship or something like that. But, no, I would not have a, you know, 14, 15-year-old girl in the house and a man that is unrelated to them. I wouldn't wouldn't do it. Yeah, to yeah, him. no, no, I understand that. It, it would be for her sake, not his, and and he would have to understand that if he was going to date me. Well, I guess the reason that, that I caught this article caught my attention more than it's not saying one way's right or another. Mm-hmm. Just like we're saying, everything is situational. Yeah. It's a very yeah. whatever. But I will say this: I'm surprised how many people that we know. Are in this situation. That's yeah. why I brought this up. Yeah. Like I have a buddy that's a, he's a great looking dude. Women have fawned over him forever. My girl group thinks he's gorgeous. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, this guy is like, yeah, he's like the real life Ken from Ken and Barbie. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and he's in a loveless marriage, staying together for the kids, the whole situation. No sex. No sex. He t- he talks about that. I don't know why he'd lie about it. Uh, he's not. He's not. That's what that's women will do that. Right. It's a dirty trick. So there you go. He's stuck, you know, either quote cheating, which I don't even consider that cheating at that point. Mm-hmm. But whatever whatever's going on, it's odd. Yeah, I just it's just odd how many people out there are co-living together who don't love each other. And that's sad. I yeah. guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, maybe they're friends on some level or something changed, whatever it is. There, There is just you would. God. I don't know. We are maybe weird and logical enough to have sat down and said, OK, we're going to raise these kids. It's 11 years out. We can, you know, I'll go weekends away once a month. You can go weekends away once a month. You know, whatever. Make some kind of an arrangement. If if business arrangement, I, almost. Yeah, I think in a perfect world that would be perfect. But I wonder how many people are really logical enough to do that. Yeah. To, or more, it just it devolves into. I don't know. You just you never have. You know, it's not all about sex, but as I say this, it's a giant part. I mean, sex is obviously, at least for 99% of the people, a sign of your inner Mm -hmm. feelings towards the other person. I mean, if you never have sex ever, it's obviously a damn problem. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. Unless you both agree, unless you're both extremely low libido um asexual whatever and you match but that's the problem like couples don't aren't really clear and communicate with each other in the beginning about like match needs and i think that's one thing that eHarmony did great with us (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh yeah i mean i I had that problem obviously my first marriage obviously yeah it's awful that way and Kind of and, what, and what you're saying is the same. As long as everybody's on the same page, it doesn't matter. But I, I just have a lot of friends who are in that situation. And it just... It's miserable. My eyes are open to how many people are like that. Yeah. Like, I almost think it's more than are happy. I think there's more 
unhappily married couples any more than happily married couples. I hate to be that way. Is it our age Maybe. and the people that we see? Because we are seeing marriages fall apart after kids. Like the kids yeah. are graduated yeah. and out of the house. Yeah. And we are actively seeing marriages falling apart. Yeah. I'm 53. So I'm 50. And so you're exactly right. Some of our friends are going through that, which is why this article caught my attention. Yeah. Like, and some of these people, I'm like, really? You? You're in this situation? <laughs> so it's sad. It is. It is. I I feel bad for people. I'll tell you stuck this. in that situation, but I do kind of understand it too to protect the kids. And I'm glad. That's what I was just going to say. I'm glad whatever decision some of these people are making if they have their kids best interest at heart then that's admirable yeah like whatever it is if you're trying to whether you're staying together for the kids or you're breaking up for the kids i, I think that's admirable mm-hmm. as long as you're trying and it's different i in my family I, it was a cult too so Kids were not a priority. The parents' relationship and their relationship with God was the priority. And I think kids were just an afterthought. And we thought that they were going to implode when we were gone. I was but on, they really didn't. So it was kind of weird. It was a kind of a weird one. I'm just glad I didn't yeah. have kids to pass on that crazy. Woohoo! Well, <laughs> I guess on another final thought for this, and it's probably it's probably too late for uh-huh. most of you people listening to this show, but, <laughs> you know, if you had kids, I'm going to put this on the team. We didn't have kids. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Like, if if you have kids... You should, in an ideal world, for the love of Pete, be on as good of relationship footing as you can be with your partner. Yeah. Like, I know you can't predict the future, but if you're definitely arguing and fighting, you know, initially, you definitely should not have kids, right? Yeah, don't make a baby to make a relationship better. Ugh, that's don't, worst. That never works. It never Ugh. works. And there are a lot of these people too and i'll say this these are mostly girls yeah who they want to marry somebody and have kids so damn bad that they will get in these relationships and trick trick us guys into like oh i love sex i'll do anything i'll give you a blowjob every day and then you have one kid it's like "Eh, i never really enjoyed that i really just did that for the kids to have kids i knew you wouldn't want to have kids you wouldn't marry me if i didn't act like that that's like, a direct quote, yeah. Yeah, I've had friends literally tell me that their wives told them that. Yeah. Like when finally the fight came up or the confrontation came up about what is the deal with you? You used to like to have sex. And, you know, they, and then finally they'll get their wives to admit that. Like how could you, you must, what kind of bombshell must that be? <laughs> and this, and maybe this kid. has to hurt your feelings and Maybe this too. kid's four or five years old and you're doing the math like, all right, so I got to stay with this. You 14 know, years. 14 more years of this shit, really? Oh, my God. Oh, it <sighs> sucks so bad. God, people, just be honest. Ugh. Uh, maybe, maybe all of this crazy stuff with their sexual orientation and their Facebook profile, maybe that's working for him maybe it'll be better who knows 
whatever it is, whatever your strategy is, I just hope you have kids in your kids in mind because you had them. Nobody right. else had them. All right. If you're a parent, your only job is to make sure that that little pudding person there becomes a functional adult. Yeah. Like that's a big job. It is a big job. It's a huge job. And I knew it was too big a job for me in my damaged crazy state. We went gambling the other night at a little racetrack. We went and saw uh, horses race with buggies. Never been to a harness race. It was interesting. I haven't either. It was interesting. Whatever, however these sub things develop, whatever. But I don't know why they can't just let them run. Why do you have to do the little funny trot? Anyway, whatever. I, they're bred for a couple of different gates, I think. I think one's a trotter and one's a pacer. And I don't know the difference. I think the pacer's faster. Whatever. It was interesting. People was bet interesting. on anything. People, yeah. that, that is a glitch in the human brain that through evolution. I don't know how that helped us evolutionarily. It had to. Um, it helped us develop domestic horses. And you're right. Somehow. Not just betting on horses. I'm yeah, betting, betting on everything. You're right. General. I don't know. There's something. We do like to take a big risk. And I, hey, I played uh, Planet Moolah again on the slot machine. Planet that was awesome. Moolah. Woohoo. Yeah, and I guess, you know, as you think of it, like a caveman dude, like that dude had to gamble on going out in that field and gathering up some food versus a dinosaur eating his ass. Mm-hmm. So there are gambles, I guess, and I, maybe there's advantages to some people that are overly, like that caveman, eventually might get eaten, but in the process, he also might discover a new spring of water in that field that he never knew existed or something, right? Mm-hmm. There must be some. Anyway. Well, taking the chance, take, the risk takers, especially among the males were rewarded because oh, well, if you came back home oh well sure you know with the deer carcass well, and, well, yeah but i'm just saying there's people who i guess i'm trying to say people who are addicted to gambling yeah they take it too far like yeah all right you you did great stealing that um half-eaten carcass from that tyrannosaurus rex i'm glad he didn't eat your ass but if you do that every day you're the ones gonna get eaten yeah yeah so i'm sure that it's it's kind of come along with us and then we probably still revert to some caveman dna and do that yeah. from time to time well it's a glitch well and i've been playing some golf lately so this came up anyway uh-huh and i'd i'd heard i've been hearing grumblings about this here and there but apparently phil mickelson is a gigantic gambler like I, I, at what point i don't know when you say somebody has a problem if you're i mean if you're worth a hundred billion dollars and you gamble a billion dollars you have a problem or are you just an <laughs> asshole you know yeah i don't know i mean you're not risking your entire net worth you're not going to go broke but at the same time you're a fucking asshole i'll tell you that just in general you just are yeah because when you bet i mean i'm sorry michael jordan was like that and he was an asshole like that yeah when you when you're literally betting millions of dollars on the damn roll of a dice, then that money's going to go to a casino that's owned by a giant corporation. When you should, when you could have taken that million dollars and given it to a trillion different things that would have done good for the world. 
scholarships. You could have set up an endowment with you $1 million. Dollars, yeah. You could set up an endowment that would give a college scholarship every year forever. Anyway, it's my problem with it. I, I know. I know. And so every anyway. time you go to a casino, there's the high, high stakes right. everywhere. I mean, people are doing it. People well, are obviously doing it. Yeah. And, I, and when you have a high income, I get it. You have to wager more. To, to get the to, thrill. To risk something, I, I guess. It has to be what it is. I guess. I don't know. I can't. You know me. I, I have learned to use a $20 bill in a slot machine. And that was really hard because it, for me, it was hard to gamble with money at all. And now I think of it as like a ticket almost. I get it. And then that's my limit. I'm not going to gamble any more than that. Sure. It's a great way to have some fun, spend the day. If you spend yeah. a couple of hundred bucks and it's six or eight hours worth of entertainment, good for you. Heck yeah. If you're gambling away the kids' college fund, you got a damn problem. Yeah. And if you're, if, if I needed that $20 bill to feed a kid or an animal or something like that, then I would be an asshole for doing that. Absolutely. So, Phil Mickelson, according to this article, and it's written by somebody who was his, sort of like his bookie, I guess. Uh-huh. Somebody that made bets for him or mm, the middleman okay. or whatever. And he's the one that's doing this tell-all. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say there's, you know, there's there's possibility this guy's just lying. Yeah. But I haven't heard anybody come out and, you know, in the other camp. Like Phil Mickelson say, that's a lot. So and I've been here. And, and this has been sports rumor forever. But this guy claims that Phil Mickelson has bet at least a billion dollars with a oh, B. Shit. Yeah, that's a thousand million. He has bet a thousand million dollars over the years with this guy. And he says he knows for a fact that he's lost at least as much as a hundred million. Dang. Well, he's still ahead, but good Lord, that's, that crazy? that's a problem. That's a problem. Again, what could you do? What could, what good could you have done in the world with a billion dollars? Like, Who come knows? on. Who knows? I, and this Phil Mickelson's a goofy fuck anyway. You know, just on his, when he does play golf, uh-huh. there's just something about him. And a lot of people, a lot of golf fans think this too. Uh-huh. Of course, everybody has their favorites. It's what makes sports fun. Okay. But there's a lot of people I just think in general, he's a douchebag. And I do too. I've always thought that. Now this, and as before any of this. So he, he just had some kind of air about him. I can't describe it. Huh. I've never... I mean, I've seen him in a few commercials and don't see it as a bad thing. This says uh, Phil has uh, offshore accounts. That's where he does most of his gambling. Um, yeah. Has has limits of $400,000 on college and NFL games. $100,000 <laughs> limits on under over bets. Uh, yeah. And this is the one where this guy is trying to throw him under the bus, too says one of the most explosive charges from the book was that Mickelson attempted to bet four hundred thousand dollars on a two thousand twelve Ryder Cup. That's a that's a golf, golf thing. Yeah. 
And this guy refused to handle the bet, saying Mickelson would destroy would destroy his whole reputation. You know, he said, yeah. you're, "You're seen as a modern day Arnold Palmer. You'd risk all that. I don't want any part of it." And that guy wouldn't make the bet for him. Good. So Mickelson backed down from making that bet with him. He says. But the U.S. team that year was leading like 10 to 6 going into Sunday and had one of the biggest collapses of all time and ended up losing. And Phil Mickelson just happened to lose to Justin Rose as part of that effort. Oh, shit. Did he throw that? That's what this guy's insinuating. There's no way to prove it. Uh, yeah. But. So he, according to him, he was basically wanted to bet on, he wanted to bet through him on something that he was playing in. Yeah. And that's how you destroy yourself if you're an athlete. Right. So. Ugh, that's that's douchey. Yeah. So, I don't know. This is going to be a he said, she said kind of a thing. But. That's what this guy's saying. Unbelievable. Boo. A billion dollars. And, and, lo- and lost a hundred a hundred million. That's hard to even say. Not a hundred thousand. A hundred. A hundred million, million dollars, dollars in losses. Could have given a hundred people a million dollars. Right. Oh, well, whatever. Uh, bad, bad. Here's a few from 2010 to 2014 that this guy... He says he documented. Walters documented what he said were Mickelson's betting records from 2010. Here's some. He bet $110,000 to win $100,000 and did that 1,115 times. (laughs) On 858 occasions, he bet $220,000 in order to win $200,000. On some prop bets, I guess. The That's sum, weird. The, the sum yeah. of the sum of those nineteen thousand seven hundred, nineteen hundred and seventy three gross wagers came to more than three hundred and eleven million dollars, just in those bets. That's just a huge, uh, craziness. No, nah. go on, go on. In two thousand eleven alone, he made three thousand one hundred and fifty four bets. That's an average of nine bets a day. Oh, my God. He needs to be medicated for that shit. There's something wrong. On one day in 2011, June 22nd, he made 43 bets on Major League Baseball games, resulting in losses of $143,000 on that day. Holy cow. And then last one. He made a staggering 7000 65 bets on football, basketball, and baseball. That's a combined, I guess. What is it with some of you sports guys that get obsessive about this stuff? Like, I've yeah. seen my brother kind of do it. Um, my, I've got a buddy whose husband is a gambler. Like, he was a sports nut. Like, oh, I know, but I have like, buddies. I, 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 I kind of, like, you're not. And, and I've watched for that because you are a sports guy. But... And I like to gamble sometimes on them, but, but not not massive amounts. <laughs> no. no, no, of course not. Your gambling is like my gambling. Sure, we got a little pick 'em football league where you all throw in twenty dollars and pick 
NFL teams for an entire year. Yeah, yeah, like that's that. the kind of gambling we do. Not not yeah. that massive yeah. amount. Yeah, or I'll bet somebody five or ten bucks a game if I could find somebody. I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. But no, that's that's normal shit. You just have a reason to watch a game. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, that's what I'm saying. I think not massive amounts of money where you think you're gonna like. There's people have win some, big. Yeah, I mean, I think they have some kind of genetic internal flaw. Something there. There's, There's some something sort of there. addictive craziness about that. I don't know that many women who are like that. Do you? No. No. There's obviously women who get addicted to gambling. Yeah, but it's kind of but a in different. In general, it's very rare, at least I think, unless there's just some. I would I would think, let's just put it that way, I would think it would be very rare for women gamblers to be addicted to, like, horse racing and sports betting. Yeah, I'm going to guess that they do lottery tickets and, like, something like slot machines yes. or a game of some yes. sort. Yes. Like that, where you're not really interacting with a person, so not poker, right? but, like, video poker or something like yes. that. I think so. I, that's what I think. I think that's how women would interact. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I don't know. Phil Mickelson, if that's Boo true. Phil. If that's, Boo if, Phil. If that's true, then screw you, asshole. You may be one of the best golfers ever played, but screw you. Huh. Whatever. All of these, by the way, are uh, I have links to all these articles on uh, Twitter. Yes. Or, or X, whatever the hell it's called what? now. All right. I'm just done now. I checked out. I am off. It's erased. I'm not doing this shit anymore. Like, I I'm done. Get, I got to get you on so you can at least see articles I post. Ugh. It's just... Ugh. Hell, is it any more... Just to play devil's advocate, is it any more goofy than any... Like, if we looked into it, like, I don't know who the Reddit guy is, but I'll bet he's... Oh, he- some kind of a it's like anything if you look into it too far they're all weird oh the reddit community as a whole is like a giant gaping flatulent asshole (laughs) i say that and i spend way too much time there it's uh well then that's what i'm saying about this yeah i I just choose the one i get it so i mean i'm not like worshiping elon musk or anything but uh at some point, like Facebook, you might as well just give in to yeah. some point. Yeah. I mean, we have a business to run at, that uses that on a regular basis, and it's hard not to. Yeah. It, it'd be like in if you were in 1950 and you boycotted your local newspaper. Like, what the fuck else are you going to do in 1950 if you need a somebody to apply for a job? You post it in the classified ads, mm-hmm. or you don't, or you would go out of business. Exactly. There is I no get other that. choice. I do. I do. But I do have Facebook. Right. And I do have Reddit. And that's more than enough no, social no. media for me right now. I get it. I'm not arguing with you to try to do more. Yeah. I'm just justifying why I have some. And it's just part of why it's just part of it's just part of it now. Yeah. It oh, I get is. it. I'm not, I'm not criticizing you at all for having it no I like i i have chosen no, no, my tribe it. of assholes and it happens to be reddit right so <laughs> well i'm just I, I guess circling back i'd like to at least get on it enough till i could share these articles and you could read them and see what i posted mm-hmm. that way kind of a thing no big deal i don't care if you do or not but and he'll never admit it 
obviously in a million years. But I can't see how in the world Elon Musk is making any damn money on Twitter. He's not. I think he popped off about buying this damn thing. And somebody basically said, all right, well, then buy it, asshole. And then he backed himself in a corner to where he basically had to buy it. If yeah. you rem- and if you remember, he tried to get out of buying it. He did everything he could he, to he, get out of it. Yes. He signed a purchase contract and then tried to get out of it just like we do when we sell property. And mm-hmm. and thankfully, whoever owned it's like, no, jackass, you agreed to buy this and you're going to buy it, jerk. So I, there at the end, he was even having second thoughts. Oh, yeah. And so now he's taking this and... He's just changing it. You know, I'm not I'm not a gazillionaire like he is. I get it. But I do know basic marketing. And I know one thing. Nobody on earth buys would buy, like, the McDonald's Corporation and then change the logo <laughs> to and the name. X-Burgers. Yeah. Like, the whole fucking point of what you're buying with this stuff is you're buying... All that marketing, it's already been done for years. Exactly. It's called a tweet when you send something out. It's got its own language. Yeah. Which is a huge part of any marketing is the tribe. They speak the same language. You do the same rituals. And if you start changing all that, then it defeats the whole point of buying it. Yeah. And so he's either dumb on that part has some people marketing that's dumb on that part but i know basic marketing and that is stupid to rebrand this as x stupid it's a stupid marketing mistake whoever's whoever's making this mistake which at the head of the rope has got to be ultimately him it's obviously a mistake right he's smart but even smart guys get tripped up in their own arrogance sometimes Oh, uh, he did. I think this will be a classic study someday. And like I said, just popping off. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it before, too. He's one of my favorite dudes. Of like him starting this weird, dumb, like, war with Warren Buffett. Yeah. The nicest dude on earth that just minds his own business and basically was asked a question five or ten years ago about, will you ever invest in, in Tesla? And they like, basically, he just said, no, not really. I just, it's not really my thing. And. Yeah, and just answered it very matter-of-factly, not like, I hate Elon Musk, I'll never do that. Yeah. And then he got all offended and started attacking him and blah, blah, blah. Has had a war going on forever. Yeah, with the richest human being in the fucking world. Yeah. Well, it goes back and forth. But Mm -hmm. overall, through the last 20 or 30 years, the richest human being in the world, who's nice as he can be. Yeah. And that's who you pick a fight with. Well, he also dated Amber Heard, so... He's batting three for three. Well, obviously he's done a lot of good. I'm not going to say he's not. He no, knows. His, he knows. Sure. His, I mean, he knows how to build a company. He's done a lot of good things, but he is absolutely in over his head with this Twitter bullshit. He yep. just is. Yep. If he, he bought is. it as a toy to just do whatever, then then good for you. But if you bought this and you're trying to make a profit at it. I, you're you're absolutely <laughs> doing it wrong. Hire me, call me, get with the show, and you'll fix it. I'll fix your shit here. All right. <laughs> I, think, I think you could. I, I really absolutely do. could. I think you can do a better I job than them. You, you fly me to to Seattle. You let me meet with you, Mister Elon Musk, and I will straighten this shit out hillbilly style. It, I absolutely think you could. I really do. I'll I find no the right managers that have a lick of common sense. 
and we'll get this shit turned around. <laughs> it won't be that hard, and uh, it's how it'll work. <laughs> anyway. Twitter X. Uh, Tell them where they can find us, Miss Well, they can find us at hillbillynerdtalk.com. That's where you can get links to everywhere. Yes, yes. Really, we're only active two places, Twitter and... I'm not technically on Reddit because I got thrown off. <laughs> Good Lord. Am I the only one posting anything to our little... Probably, to our, yes. Uh, well, oh, well, I do post a Hillbilly Nerd Talk on there sometimes, but it's not really me. If you see me on there, I'm uh, not Petra anymore. <laughs> Well, what to get you an account? Well, anyway, yeah. um, so well, I post shows on, uh, you know, that we have a new show up. And yeah, you, I see all that on there on uh, Twitter yeah. and um, Reddit. Reddit. That's it. Come on over, little Bonnie. Oh, our little kitty got spayed this week she, or it's last week. She's got a little scar on her belly from her hysterectomy and she's doing wonderful she was over there sleeping her little paws were moving a minute ago <laughs> look at that she's turning into a little lap cat she is she's gone from being hissy to baby lap cat that's nice yeah well uh i think that's about it petra what do you think i think that's it everybody have a great night and we'll talk to you next time <laughs>